Alright, welcome to the Tipsy Theology Podcast. This is a Whiskey Wednesday monologue with Trey. So, before we get into the uh, topic for today, I'm having a little fun with these these little uh, sound bites or whatever you call them. I'm not in the media stuff, so I don't know. But yeah, it's just me today on the podcast. This is my second attempt at recording this because the last one, the microphone was wrong and the audio was terrible. So here we are. Uh, I recorded that one a couple of weeks ago. So hopefully um, this one is just as good or better than that one was. But I mean, only time will tell. Uh, If you want to get that other uh, recording though, Maybe we'll throw it up on our Patreon. Patreon? Did somebody say Patreon? I don't know anything about a Patreon. Anyway, so the topic for today, uh, if we get a drum roll, please. Oh, I'm having too much fun with this. Here we go. Drum roll. What's the topic? Deconstruction. I want to talk about deconstruction, uh, and I want to aim this talk at two different categories of people. I want to aim it toward those who are going through deconstruction, have gone through deconstruction process, or those who have a sort of um, bias, might be the right word, against it. They, they've heard things about what deconstruction is, and, and they don't like it. They don't think it, it fits into the Christian faith. Um, and I want to say that it does. I want to say that deconstruction is part of being faithful to Christ. Uh, and then, I mean, if you're against it, then I just ask, Hey, hear me out. Let's, let's see what Trey has to say about this topic and see if, if I can just change your mind. Like, let me just see, let's just see if I can change your mind. So, uh, first of all, some background, I, I gave this background in the other episode, so maybe it's on Patreon, maybe it's not. So I might go more detail on that, but you know, deconstruction was, it, we're using the language of Jack Derrida here. Um, this was, this was part of his philosophy and his, his idea of deconstruction had, had to do with, uh, literary, like how do we understand the meaning of text and, and maybe even further, how do we understand the meaning of, of language and sentences put together that like, how do we interpret, how do we interpret these things? And it, since then deconstruction has gone on to mean, uh, something even broader than that, uh, and especially especially in the Christian community, it means, you know, um, it really means opening up and starting to question the things you've believed. I mean, this can happen outside of your Christian faith too. Like uh, maybe you were raised in a small conservative town, and you start to wonder, well, maybe I don't believe everything about you know, conservative politics, uh, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you're raised in a, a city and so you're more likely to be, have liberal beliefs and, and you're, you're, you're questioning, well, maybe I don't agree with all of these beliefs, right? That's what deconstruction is. It's really, it's opening yourself up to, to question what you've always believed and how you've always lived and acted. And, and, you know, I want to say that this is what Jesus did. Jesus deconstructed the, the Jewish faith. Uh, in, in two ways, I think one, he never abandoned the, the, the Jewish Hebrew scriptures, right? But what he did do was uh, interpret them for that day. So he, he interpreted them for his location, for uh, 
zero uh, AD Israel, that time period, um, they understood the scriptures differently than when they were written. And in some in some ways, Jesus interpreted so it it fit the context of his day better. And in some other ways, he went beneath what the Hebrew scriptures were trying to say and pulled out the true essence of what what the scriptures were getting at. So, so I, I think Jesus, I, we can make a strong case that what Jesus did was could be uh, under the umbrella of deconstruction. Uh, I think that definitely the Protestant reformers. They deconstructed the Catholic faith, right? And then that's how we ended up with all these Protestant denominations, right? We have Presbyterians, we have Lutherans, Methodists, uh, Baptists, Assembly of God. I mean, Pentecostals are almost their own own different thing, but they're still they they were birthed out of the Protestant Reformation, right? And I mean, the the basis of deconstruction is just trying to get back to the heart of of truth and love and, and questioning you know, how we came to these conclusions. Uh, I think of René Descartes. Um, he was a deconstructionist. He, he is famous for this idea of, of, we call it the cogito. It's, I think, therefore I am. His, his idea and perception of reality began to crumble beneath him. Uh, I actually have a, I have a quote, a quote of his. He said he came to this point where he believed that there were no conclusive signs by means of which one can distinguish clearly between being awake and being asleep. So he could not prove that he was actually real and that this wasn't just some kind of dream. Um, and then he built his basis of reality on his understanding that because he could think, he existed. And from this, he realized that it was also necessary, necessary that there also be a God. Uh, and I don't want to, he, he set out to, to prove God with certainty. And I, and I think part of what I want to get into in this episode is it, there's no certainty about it. And that's kind of a driving force behind the deconstruction movement. But here's what he, here's what he said about God. I just think this is a, a great way to talk about God. And I mean, and because it's Descartes, I think it's especially, especially, you know, good for this episode. He said, a God who is all powerful and by whom I was created and made as I am. This is this is part of his essential understanding of reality and what he built his foundations for existence on. So one thing I want to say about deconstruction is it is hell. It is a holy hell. I, I, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about uh, us being saved as if through fire. And I think this is a great metaphor for what the deconstruction process is like. Like because uh, if you open yourself up to 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 questions uh, of what you've always believed, you start to question these things. You start to doubt some things. Um, what happens is the chaff gets burned off and the wheat remains. Right. That, that's the thing with fire. Is fire purifies hard metals. Right. It, it purifies those things that are worth a lot of value. But those things like paper burns in fire, right? If you are wrapped in a theology of paper, that, that paper is going to burn away. But what is true and real is going to, to stand firm. And these are the things that, that won't be burned away by fire. Fire can't burn these things away. So I'll take a sip of my whiskey because I'm ranting. So I, I don't, 
I don't wish the deconstruction process on anybody, but I do recommend it for everybody, and I do think it's part of living the faithful Christian life. But it, it, so the reason I don't recommend it though is is it causes higher levels of negative emotion, and for two reasons. For two reasons, from a psychological perspective, it, once you, I mean, we could talk about right and left hemisphere. Uh, it, it, before you deconstruct, you're probably leaning more on your left hemisphere brain, which means you're living in a place that you understand well and you you have you have certainty about things. And then once you start to question things, you get pulled over to to the right hemisphere, which is which is more tuned for places of uncertainty and the unknown and chaos. Um, it, but in the world of chaos and the unknown, more negative emotion exists. So when you start to question these things, you're going to experience more anxiety. And that's, that's part of the, the challenge. But it's something that you, know, you can work through and you can build community that supports you in this. And, and hopefully I, I have a quote for the end that, that should paint a vision of how the church can facilitate healthy deconstruction. Um, but then there's another element of it, which is, I mean, it can be an indictment of the church um, in, in ways it has failed um, with those who do start to question things. Because there are more, uh, it tends to be more fundamentalist or conservative churches, um, some evangelical churches, which is why there's a big ex-evangelical movement, because people started deconstructing and they weren't welcome in their church, so so they moved out of the evangelical you know, section of the church, right? Um, but when you start to deconstruct in these spaces, oftentimes there are church people who, uh, I think the driving force is fear. They, they have a, uh, I think, neophobia. They have a fear of, of new ideas. Um, and honestly, I don't want to say it's new ideas, though, because a lot of these ideas is, for me, I am somebody that considers themselves as somebody who, deconstru- who has been deconstructing their faith. And I am not trying to come up with new ideas. I'm not trying to f- paint a new vision of God. I'm trying to return to an old vision of God. I'm trying to return to the person of Jesus because I build my faith on, on Christ. Um, and, and so for the past 2,000 years, stuff has been tacked onto, onto the Christ. And I want uh, I, that, the, the, it's, I mean, don't take this out of context, but our image of Christ needs to go through the fire. It needs to go through the purifying fire and what will remain on the other side will be the essential Jesus in his fullness, right? So I I understand the fear um, because there are people that deconstruct and they ultimately they do end up uh, walking away from the Christian faith. Uh, I, this isn't something that that causes fear in me. Um, because I believe, uh, well, one, uh, in 1 John 4, 18, the scripture says, perfect love casts out all fear. So if we lean into God, who is our, the perfecter of love, then then, there, then there's no place for fear. And two, I think we, we need to uh, trust that even though people may have left Jesus, and I don't think they actually, I don't think saying they leave Jesus is the correct terminology here, but I'll explain that. In a second, but just because it seems they have left Jesus does not mean they have left Christ. Um, so sometimes you have to let go of your Jesus image, your conception of Jesus, in order to find the true Christ. And so for me, as a Christian, my Christian faith asserts that the Christ is Jesus. 
Okay. And, and of course I'm using Christ. That's Christian language, but um, you, you could say, you could say Buddha was a Christ. You could say, um, uh, I wouldn't say Muhammad was a Christ, but he was definitely a, a spiritual leader. Um, he, but, uh, anyways, I'm, I'm not gonna, I don't need to go down that path, but as a Christian, I believe Jesus is the fullest realization of the Christ. So sometimes it takes leaving that Jesus image to find Christ. So trust people, trust God, trust that God is, um, even if it seems like they have left the faith, that God is still holding on to them. And I mean, that's all you can really do is, is trust God with, with those of us who are deconstructing that, that we will, you know, I mean, what we're doing is we're looking for the way Jesus says he's the way. So that's ultimately at the end of the day, we are trying to find the way of life that is true and real and good and beautiful. Um, and I hold on to the fact that that is Jesus, but I am willing to offer up my conception of Jesus in order to get to the real thing. It's all about finding the real thing. Um, so I would just, I would challenge you to open yourself up to, to questioning some of the things you've been taught and, and to, um, trying to find, find the, find the Christ, honestly. I mean, I know I keep using that language and, and maybe I use that language different than, than other Christians would, but I think deconstruction is is a way that we are faithful to God, and it's a way that we are faithful to to being to to each other. Uh, I because I, I mean I'll give an example of deconstruction. Uh, take take women in leadership for instance. You know, for a long time, the majority of churches were not allowing women leadership roles because there's there's passages in scripture that I think me and Paul will talk about soon and I, I've been putting it off because I'd like to have a, a female guest on to to share her experience but uh, you know if you return to the scripture and well maybe that's not what Paul means by those passages Paul the the apostle not Paul my my guest host my my co-host but that's what deconstruction is about. It's 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 looking at the, at the Bible. It's looking at your faith and saying, maybe this is not as black and white as I thought. And part of deconstruction is accepting that we don't have all the answers and living in this tension. It, it, living in this tension of what I would say is our God image. And we're in between our God image, our Jesus image, and the true God, the true Jesus, the true Christ, Right. We're, we're in between those things. And anytime we assume to, to have found it, anytime we say this is God and know for a hundred percent certainty, like this is God, like we put him in that box. We instantly, the divine escapes the box because he, it, God cannot fit into that box. So let me try to find this quote really quick by annual enough. She's a fantastic a psychologist and theologian. Uh, she used to teach at, at um, Union Theological Seminary. But this is just a good vision for the church. I'm trying to make sure there's nothing else I want to say before I read this quote. I do want to say thanks for joining me on this episode. This is 
This is different. It's not as good without Paul here, but I still enjoy it. So she she uses some Freudian languages here. She's not a Freudian herself, but she does use the Freudian concept of the superego, super and she relates that as that's that's what the church is. That the church represents um, the superego for the, for the Christian. So she writes, when the church is associated with this sort of positive superego, it is experienced as life giving. Here is a superego friendly to the ego without being wishy washy with an open attitude that accepts behavior rather than censors it. The superego does not stand apart in this guise either, wagging its finger at the ego. Instead, the superego instructs, instructs, inspires, encourages. Goodness knows we need that from the church. We need to hear from the church simply, clearly, that there is a God. There is joy and life abundant. Later, she says, all are invited to the banquet. And I think that's just a wonderful image for the church. The church should be a space to house all of these uncertainties and questions. That's what the church is about, is, is a place where we can come together as a community and live in the tension of the known and the unknown, and then go out and, and live our religion out. I mean, religion, bind all things together. We can go out and... Invite others to join us in, in grasping the, the tension and, and not giving up on this idea that being is essentially good, that there is goodness in the world, and that we ourselves, because Christ lives in us, are agents of creating even more good. So I think uh, I'd like to go deeper with this topic later. I'm running out of time. I'd love to do an episode with Paul here so he can maybe offer some pushback or add some insight to what his faith journey has looked like. But I want to challenge you. Uh, I, one, I think, you know, with my understanding of deconstruction, I think all of us have deconstruction deconstructed to varying degrees. Um, maybe in minor ways, maybe you started believing in... Um, women in leadership because you went to the text and, and you realized that maybe there's something else going on there. Or maybe you went as far as to, to believe maybe God uh, is saving everybody. I mean, that, that was a, a, a popular belief in the first 500 centuries and, and it seems to be on the rise again. People like Rob Bell are, are supporting this view. Hey, he deconstructed, he public, publicly deconstructed. Michael Gunger deconstructed. These are people that, uh, you know, They've engaged with these these tough questions, and they've come out at different places. And uh, it is scary, uh, it, it's, but it's also exciting, and it's an adventure. And and there's no reason to fear, because because perfect love of God is casting out all that fear, and and God is holding us up. God is God is giving us the breath to wake up each and every morning, and and to face reality. No matter what that reality is, you know what I'm saying? Um, we may be like Descartes and we, our ideas of reality are just crumbling. But the Christian faith is holding on to that there is a reality and that reality is being held together by a benevolent, loving, perfect creator. So without further ado... Wait, I don't know how I want to set this up. I'll go ahead and close on that. I'll say uh, thank you to Maximize Digital Media. 
Um, thank you to Annie for editing this video and for putting up with my, my BS sometimes. And we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're too much. No, no, no. Thank you. I clap for you.